Chapter 15. Red Rover, Blue Rover, Will You Come Over? In the mirror was the beautiful face of Linda Entwistle. It was enough to make Tim Bradley forget all about chocolate. She was so beautiful, his heart leapt up, and he could think of nothing else but pleasing her. Linda, hello! Hello, Tim, she said. I cannot stay long. I came because there is great danger. There is... She started fading in and out of focus. Trouble in the... Linda, Simon stepped forward. Her image flickered in the mirror, like bad reception on a TV screen. Cannot speak long, she managed to say. Your energy is running low, and there are no ghouls now in Algeba. You must find a man in a gray suit from the resistance movement. He will upgrade your white crystal to something more powerful. This will give you more energy. What would really give him some energy, thought Tim, would be some serious chocolate. From there you must find your own way, said Linda. And then, as sudden as she had come, she disappeared. Linda, cried Simon. A most curious emanation, said Edward Farquhar, clearly quite surprised. A man in gray, said Tim. What could she mean by that? Simon shook his head baffled. There must be a hundred men in gray. I know not. Ah, said Edward Farquhar, his broad face beaming. But perhaps I do. You do? Well, do not hide it from me, my friend. There is a man across the square named Harrelson. He is a cobbler by trade, but he always wears gray. There is no other citizen of Algeba for whom gray is constant apparel. That's it then, Simon said, tucking the garlic and laurels into his backpack. Thank you, my good friend. Come, Tim. We must go find the man in gray. Sure enough, Simon Belmont found the man in gray, just where Edward Farquhar had promised he would be, in his cobbler shop. However, the man, Richard Harrelson by name, was hardly as cooperative as Simon's friend in the anti-vampire shop had been. For one thing, he claimed he needed money for the crystal upgrade. Can't give away these things for free, he said. A man's got to make a living, you know. And I reckon from the looks of you, I mean, with those blonde locks and those muscles, I take you to be a hero, and probably a wealthy man. So why would I let you take me for a fool, eh? Simon was aghast at this. I am not a rich man by any means. I serve goodness and right. The man, a fellow with a weasley narrow face and greasy hair pasted across his forehead, gave him a sneaky smile. Ah, yes, but this nose, he touched his rat-like snout, this proboscis of mine smells coins, and the ear hears the jingle of coins, no? In truth, I do have a few coins in my pocket, and perhaps I can spare one for your troubles in this matter. But only one, I think. Tim got exasperated. Look, Simon, I'm going to leave you two to your bargaining. I'm just going to go around in the alley for a minute. Tim turned around and walked back into the street, leaving the duo to negotiate their deal. Actually, he was sort of half hoping that he'd run across some chocolate, or at least something sweet. But of course, there was no chocolate in Castlevania. No, strike that. There was chocolate in Castlevania. But now it was at the bottom of that quicksand. What a place. He knew that if he could just hang in there, he'd be triumphant along with Simon. Hadn't his experience with video games taught him that? If you got beat, you started over, and you kept trying. What was the word for it? Perseverance, that's right. He had to persevere. Still, all the same, he could sure do with a Hershey's kiss. Hello, came a voice from the darkness. Tim started. Who's there, he demanded. He held out his torch, and a solitary figure stepped into the light. It was a girl, a young girl about his age. She was cute, too, with dark eyes and dark hair and a smile that reminded Tim of Carol Jance back home. Just me. My name is Melanie. 
You look like someone I can trust. I need someone that I can trust. Oh, well, my name is Tim. Actually, I'm Simon Belmont's assistant. We're taking a tour of the country, picking up, er, uh, uh, picking up this and that. For the good of Castlevania, you understand. Her eyes sparkled with good humor. Oh, you mean you're going to kick Dracula out so we can see some sunshine? Yeah, I guess you could say that, Melanie. Well, I'm all for that. I could use a little sunshine. You will be my friend, won't you? Sure, why not? Here, would you like this piece of chocolate? Bells rang. Somewhere in Tim's mind, trumpets sounded. Chocolate? Did she say chocolate? Yeah, he said, reaching out. But just as he was about to take hold of the candy that the girl was offering him, something stopped him. What was a girl doing with this stuff? Wait a second, he said, not knowing whether or not to be suspicious, but pretty sure that something was rotten in Castlevania. Simon Belmont says there's no chocolate in Castlevania. I got it from a special place, Melanie said. Go ahead. Take it. It's chocolate truffle. Godiva chocolate. Godivas, of course, were some of the very best chocolates there were. And suddenly, Tim could almost smell the piece of chocolate. The scent of sweet ecstasy wandered under his nose. He could almost taste it. He felt an almost uncontrollable urge to reach out and grab that candy and cram it into his mouth. But he was restraining himself. What's wrong? asked Melanie. Don't you trust me? No, I don't trust you. This is just a trick. Dracula. Suddenly, Melanie's face began to distort and change. Her nose grew and fangs came out of her mouth. After a few seconds, her true identity was revealed. Melanie was really Dracula in disguise. Smiling, Dracula turned to Tim. Stop interfering and head back to your own dimension. If you leave now, I'll give you all the chocolate you can eat. No, said Tim. What? said the vampire. No, said Tim, forcibly stopping himself. No. I'm not going back until we've kicked your sorry spirit back into the dimension where it belongs. The result in the vampire was radical. At first, the fearsome face showed nothing. Then disbelief flickered, to be replaced immediately by an explosion of hate and fury. Impossible! Nobody resists the temptations of Dracula! Has it occurred to you, you little piece of rot, that because of this decision you may never, ever taste the extraordinary taste bud pleasures of chocolate again? Tim cringed. That hadn't occurred to him, and he wasn't sure if Dracula was bluffing. But, even if he was, the young man intended to stick to his guns. I don't care. Now just go away. You can't hurt me. You don't even have a body. Little rodent. Very well. But I warn you, you shall regret this day for the rest of your life. And so saying, Dracula disappeared in an explosion of color and fizzling fireworks, and a stink like moldering leftovers forgotten too long in the refrigerator. Tim left in a hurry. It did not seem like a good idea to stay in this alley. Nope, not at all. Heading out, he ran directly into Simon Belmont. My gracious, you're in a hurry. And you look like you've just seen your own ghost. Tim held his tongue on the Dracula business. No reason to alarm his traveling companion unduly. This place is not the most comforting spot in the universe. Did you get the stuff? Simon held up the crystal. It was no longer white. It flashed with the bluest blue that Tim had ever seen. The color of blue where the ocean meets the sky. It cost me more than I'd hoped it would. But I got what we need. Well then, what are we waiting for? Which way do we go? Simon smiled and looked down at the glowing blue with wonder. Come, my friend. I have the feeling that the light is shining on us now, and perhaps the way from here on out will be smooth.